Tabbies and Toms. Have a lovely bath in public. Serenade the household with an impromptu 3 a.m. opera. And race across the house to make it to the Persian rug just in time to throw up. <laughs> because it's time to meow tall to me. <laughs> Welcome back to Talk Tell to Me, an afternoon nap in the warm sunshine of Prague Rock, in which Nick the Nibbler and Omen the Orange will lick our way through the entire discography of seminal Prague Rock band Jethro Tull. Yes, every yowl a song, every dead songbird in your shoe an album. Nick and I will not be satisfied until we have rubbed our heads against every single song Jethro Tull has ever recorded. We will get scritches for Martin Barr, sit in Dee Palmer's lap, bite John Evans' feet for no reason at all, and loudly demand that our listeners open the front door just so we can decide if we really want to go out or not. It might take a while. At 4 a.m., I'm going to run around the house like my tail is on fire right. for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Ghosts. <laughs> we, call, we call it zoomies in our house when yeah. Catherine gets the zoomies and then it's just, there's no telling what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, Nick, welcome back. It's been a little while since we've recorded. Yeah, it's it's been a couple weeks, I think. Not for any intentional reasons, but we've just, we've had life. We've had life happen. We've had life, life, l'chaim. L'chaim to everyone. And this is an exciting week for us, that Nick. That it is. Can you, uh, can, you, can you guess why that might be? I'm assuming you are referencing the fact that we are starting another album this week. It is... I, mean, I got a new shirt, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, no. that's, too, that's exciting too. Yeah, we're starting a new album. That is uh, That shirt is on fleek. But uh, we are starting the second in the folk trio, the unofficial folk trio. We're starting Heavy Horses this week. That's right. Uh, but before we dive into that, we have a little bit of a little bit of housekeeping. A little here. housekeeping. In Marley. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank Thanks. you so much, Mary. Thanks, oh. Marley. Mary, that's a very loud way of walking. I. I don't know. I'm not sure that's very good for the for the floors. I put on the shoes from the horses. The... I don't think uh, she's... those are made for human beings, Mary. Nay! Had to pound them in with nails. <laughs> she said nay. I mean, I... It's, it's heavy horseshoes. That's that's, what... That explains all the blood. Oh, gosh. Why don't you clip-clop out of here and go, go get yourself some lunch? I'm heading for the middle! And a tetanus shot. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, Nick, let's see. Looks like we have a review here. That we do. We do have another review. If I knew where this thing was, I would play it right now. Sir, sensors have detected another star in the sky. Dear Lord, that's five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. As is tradition, another five-star review. There's no other number of stars that I'm aware of. Mm-mm. Nope, it's only five. The review which accompanies this five-star review is entitled J slash throw dash up. 
just throw up. Just throw up. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It reads, feckless momes. Feckful, I would say, really. And momes? Well, I had to look that one up. One of the definitions was an aunt. I had an aunt who was like you guys, clever and inquisitive. She was also a school sister of Notre Dame. And she's dead now. So you two are like my aunt. You are both nuns, but also different since you are both still alive. Well, speak for yourself. How dare you. Slander. All three of you are also the same because I like you all. And I like Jethro Tull. I don't know if Sister Margaret liked Jethro Tull. Maybe not. She would have liked Ian Anderson to an extent. As long as they didn't discuss religion, I suppose. (laughs) Thank you for the wonderful podcast. I really enjoy your report and rapport. Proceed outward, but stay wayward. Jeff B. Sunny Highbridge, Wisconsin, where the crescent moon never goes down. That's That's the most terrifying thing in that entire review. I don't (laughs) know what's wrong with the moon over there. I mean, maybe it's just at at the perfect latitude that it doesn't doesn't go. Suggests to me that Highbridge, Wisconsin is in fact a mini moon orbiting the Earth in a synchronous orbit where the moon is uh, in, is always blocked just a little bit. Astrologically sound. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jeff, for the review and for the stars. And just to clarify, this is a different Jeffy B than our Jeffy Buzz Buzz. We, it appears we have several Jeffies in our midst. We're going to have to say Wisconsin Jeff. Wis, Wis Jeff. It's that's the kind of uh, Jeff that comes in a can. Yes, it's. I mean, I like it every now and then. I can't have too much of it though. Yeah, yeah. At a picnic. Yeah, yeah. When you're you're saying to hell with eating properly. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much, Jeff. <laughs> thank you for introducing us posthumously to your aunt. She sounds lovely. And thanks for writing in. Yeah. Thank you for that review. Absolutely. Everyone else, why don't you go do what Jeffy B. from Wisconsin has done and give us a five-star review. It can be nonsensical and erudite and clever just like that. I don't care. Give us the stars. Make me laugh. Shake up a can of five stars and shoot it down our throats. (laughs) Processed. Processed star food. Okay, there we go. We're going back to the the cheese whiz. Okay, got it. Yep, that's it. All right, Nick, what else have we got here? (laughs) I've got a couple of other notes here. So at the time of recording, so it'll be a couple more episodes in, but the other Challenger Jethro Tull podcast is out and published. Darn it. They're fine. They're they're fine. Now, I like to say not, not a Challenger, a welcome... A welcome distant cousin in the family of Talking Tall. Agreed. I will not tell you their name. If you choose to listen to them, that onus is on your shoulders. The only comment I have is that they also cannot say the word anecdote, Omen. So you're in (laughs) (laughs) fine company. something in the water. (laughs) Yeah. If if only we could find the antidote to saying to the problem, to the disease of not being able to say anecdote. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get it one day. So, Nick, shall we talk about the album? Not yet. I've got more things. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Next, I think a couple of episodes ago, I jokingly mentioned trying to figure out when we would be the same age as Ian was when we cover a specific album. Like the, the way everything overlaps. So, if it all works out properly, yeah, we will be hitting, let's see, it will be September... 
of 2022. Okay. It will be the 1984 album of Under Wraps when Ian was, and you and I will be, 37 years old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, if only it were a year later, if only we had started the podcast a year later, we would have hit that mark in the album year when we were born. I know. It was it was pretty darn close. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to change anything, but he's he's mid-30s now. We're mid-30s now. We'll uh, just try to keep that mindset, I guess. I don't know yeah. if it makes any, any sense at all. Great. Finally, finally, mm-hmm. we've got ourselves an email from Doc Savage. The good doctor. To see the kindly doctor. This is pertinent to, I think, the, the whole album of Songs from the Woods, so I'm not saving this for Talk Tall With Me. For those of you who are not Patreon patrons, at yeah. the $5 level, you get to hear us expound at much greater length upon the the emails and the the Patreon posts, and et cetera, et cetera. And for $10, we will just record a solid hour of silence. We won't say a damn word. Yeah. I, I mean, that's best $10 I would ever earn, for that's sure. Right. Yeah. So from Doc Savage, pertaining to Songs from the Wood, he says, So I just listened to the Solstice Bells episode. Really enjoyable as ever. The clip of Wrecking Ball took me back. Uh. Have you ever seen the Ron Jeremy parody of the video? If not, Google it. You will laugh and laugh and laugh. Oh, that sounds fun. This parenthesis is probably not for broadcast. Too bad. (laughs) Too bad, Doc Savage. One point, though. You seem to have missed the album's holistic, calendrical approach. Mm. On side one, after the introductory title song, we move from the first signs of spring with Jack in the Green through Beltane, Cup of Wonder, into the early autumn, i.e. the hunting season of Hunting Girl, and finally to midwinter in Solstice Bells. Wow. This is replayed on side two, only without introduction. Thus, we go from the spring daffodils mentioned in velvet green through the summer day sands of the Whistler to the profoundly autumnal Peabroke and the winter warmth of fires at midnight. You know, that is one of those things that I think was so obvious in retrospect that it needed (laughs) to be pointed out by someone else. So thank you very much, Dr. That is now the only calendar that I will ever use. That's it. And then he says, this is a deliberate plan on Ian's part, taking us through two annual cycles, or perhaps the same cycle twice, and trying to show us the intimate connections between humans and the natural world. Mm. I apologized profusely that we didn't catch that because, like you said, like it seems so obvious now. Yeah. And he, he did some poking around and apparently it's really not a widely commented upon theory even though ian himself has come out and said that this is what it is he just doesn't really openly talk about this kind of stuff you know interesting yeah yeah and then finally to wrap up his email he says that solstice bells appears these days on just about every christmas song compilation album in britain 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. And it is the only Jethro Tull song that Alice G, who was roughly our age, knew before he stumbled upon our podcast and we began excavating his youth in front of her. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Doctor. Thank that you, is, Doctor. That's such a wonderful perspective on this. And I think that, you know, one of the difficulties with this format is that because we are looking at these uh, albums song by song, mm-hmm. we sometimes don't necessarily remember to zoom out and look at the songs in context. I know. It's great to have that outside perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We, we greatly, greatly appreciate that. And it's a, it's a good note, albeit two songs too late on our part, but super helpful. And I will never not be able to think of that when I listen to that album. And, and that's just, that's great. Like I'm, it is in no way is that a complaint. It's a great yeah. little tidbit to, to have access to. Now, Omen, mm. it is high time we get into the proper album at hand. Let's, let's dip into just a, a, a little old sprinkling of some heavy horses facts before we get into the first track. Yeah, now that it's uh, now that it's quarter past weathercock, we can dive in here and talk about this 11th studio album released on April 10th, 1978 in the US, mm-hmm. the 21st of April 1978 in the UK, recorded between 77 and 78. And this is the first album to be recorded in the Maison Rouge studio, mm-hmm. which was new at the time. It's not the first song that we've heard from Maison Rouge because, in fact, Beltane... That's right. ...which was chronologically misplaced, as we talked about last week, was, of course, recorded during the Heavy Horses sessions. But the Maison Rouge was actually... had a studio, at least, which was funded and created specifically for Anderson and Tall. Yeah. And apparently Anderson funded that, you know, basically paid for the construction of it. And a little fun fact, Nick, is that a lot of this were a lot of these recordings were made at night. Oh, interesting. Because he just built this new studio and he wanted to leave it open during the day for rentals. Oh, well sure, why not? Yeah, because that's that, you know, that's how you make your money back. That businessman, loving it. Yeah. The Scots. So uh, just a quote from Ian in regards to that. We have, uh, quote, in my mind, Heavy Horses is a logical successor. Not quite part two, but it follows on the slightly more rural context of its predecessor for a lot of the songs. I remember that Songs was recorded in Morgan Studios, our last time there, and Heavy Horses was our first time in the new Maison Rouge building, which we'd finished building in time to do these sessions. So cool. Yeah. Nick, so this is also the time when we are going to begin detecting. We've talked about this before, but we're mm-hmm. going to really be able to hear Ian's voice change yes. starting on this album. The the Jack in the Green voice, as I call it, because I think yeah, that's the that's most gonna notable. Yeah, that's going to become more pronounced. And mm-hmm. there's even a little bit of kind of, I think, unintentional foreshadowing in the first track, which we'll talk about. Hmm. But he's now come out and, and said that he suffers from a, a pretty serious lung disease. And so this is this is kind of where we hear the, the beginnings of it. But, you know, this is not the end of recording by far. Yeah, right. It's it's the the combination of him starting to push his voice too much to the point where he overdoes it with A and he switches to the Mark Knopfler voice after surgery and 
and that that the starting of the the lung disease, like you said, from probably being exposed to countless cartons of cigarette smoke and smoke machines from the seventies that are probably very carcinogenic, you know, or at least were in those days. Well, right. Yeah. So with that kind of context, oh, let's talk about the personnel. It is the same as it ever was. We have Ian Anderson on lead vocals, flute, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, and mandolin. Mm -hmm. Martin Barr, as ever, on the electric guitar. Glasscock on backing vocals, bass guitar. John Evan on piano and organ. Whose organ? It doesn't say. (laughs) Dee Palmer on keyboards, ports of pipe, organ, and orchestral arrangements. Barrymore Barlow on drums and percussion. And joining for two tracks, Daryl Way. Hmm. Okay. Violin player. Violin. Nice. So, with all of that out of the way, Nick, do we want to... Take a listen to the first track off of the album. Yeah, let us listen to the first real sign of Ian's undying love for cats. And the mouse police never sleeps. Let's roll it. Let's roll in it. Wowza. Nick, there we have it. Gosh darn it. This song is so good. Yeah, it's such a great start to the album. It is. It's such a, I want to say this is such a unique sound to be starting this album on. Unique in terms of the history of Jethro Tull or, or unique in the way of starting an album? I think the leaning more to the Jethro Tull, it's, it's just so much folkier than we're even coming out of Songs from the Wood, I think it's it's so much folkier and and a little bit funkier too. Yeah. That it's it's really it's a good start. It's like we're still Jethro Tull. You can still recognize us. There's still a sound here, but we're gonna be taking this album just in a in a little different track, uh, sonically, musically, and yeah. and we're gonna start you with this guy to really show you what we mean here. That's right. I mean, every album is definitely a musical evolution from mm. the one previous. But, you know, and this is no exception in that regard. We hear that this is the new Tull sound. But yeah, they come right out with it. There's no easing into it. You know, if if you think about Too Old to Rock and Roll, the, the beginning of that album is so... Yeah. You know, it's this... this it, it comes at you composition first. Right. Right. I mean, and and that's because it's the opener to a musical, at least in some regard, we have to keep that in mind. But if you look at the top of Songs from the Wood, it, it has this very kind of formal introduction. Yes. Yeah. Let me do this thing, which is called Songs from the Wood, starting off a cappella. This arrives stealthily. This album arrives in the cover of darkness. Through the ryegrass. Yeah. <laughs> We have the bass and the drums coming in first, backed up with a bit of guitar. Mm, the acoustic is really nice in this. And that that little trio accompanies us through just about the entire song. Yeah, John's bass is very funky and forward through the whole thing. Yeah. He's playing fast. He's playing like yeah. a lot of complex stuff he's not he's not just sort of dropping in a nice bass line for everyone to lay on top of he's driving the whole thing forward yeah true to john's bass work up until this point 
I'm in no way disappointed and, and always pleasantly surprised when I do hear it. It's so cool. It's so unusual for what most bassists do, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe that's not giving bassists as a, as a species enough credit, but I do think that, that this type of playing is, is so exciting and so makes you appreciate the instrument a little bit more. Yeah, at least the practitioner of the instrument. Yeah. Certainly. And that sound, that bass, drum, guitar, kind of repeated, fast, mm-hmm. uh, stealthy thing, is kind of hypnotic. It is. It swirls around you. The sound kind of swirls and comes at you from from three different sides, and they, they kind of work together to form this, this kind of hurricane of auditory experience. Yeah, and it, it, for me, I lose track of time a little bit when I listen to this song. Yeah, this song's only three minutes long. It feels longer, though. It feels like it you does. kind of get into it and, you know, you go on this this journey, this experience. And then, you know, when it finally ends, you're like, oh, my God, what was that? Yeah. Oh, I, I've only lost three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the way that the flute highlights that opening riff with your, with those little peeps. I wrote peep, peep flute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a nice change for the flute. Normally, Ian takes a much more direct going parallel with lyrics with his flute but he's he it's much more it's it's just more flavor it adds to the flavor it helps to add spice as opposed to be part of the main dish yeah it's not a very flute heavy song no we have the decorative peeps decorative which we love mm-hmm. decorative peeps yeah we've got after that first drop when everything drops entirely silent and then comes back in we have the the instrumental section which is Flute for really just a couple of measures, and then that mm-hmm. line, that musical line, gets taken over by the organ. Yeah, the organ in that is really nice too. It's a lovely smooth blend between the two of them. I actually didn't really realize until I listened to it very carefully that that there is the switch made there. I sort of read it all as flute on, you know, uh, years ago. Right. It's not terribly jarring, so it it does flow smoothly and that's really I'm sure the organ is throughout the rest of the song, but that's really the only part where the organ steps forward to be heard and it's it's nice. I mean, we all love John's work on the organ and, and any anything else, but oh, it's, yeah. it's nice to hear it kind of step up and, and, and go back and then just become part of it, much like the other John's bass work. Yeah, it's this song is amazingly well composed, but in a totally different way than how we used to talk about something like Too Old to Rock and Roll being composed. Yes. Yeah. That was composed like an orchestra is composed. This is composed... Mm-hmm like a Midnight Witch's Potion is composed. Yes, stealthily and uh, creatively and with dire consequences in mind. It will change the history of the nation. <laughs> yeah, uh, speaking of, I think I want to go back to Barry's drums. Yeah. Barrymore's drums, they're so good. We've got a lot of... A lot of disparate pieces here. He's, it's very definitive drum work in this one. He's got splashy cymbals, but I hear every time he hits that snare, maybe that's because Stephen Wilson's 
remaster like really pulled the drums forward it but be, yeah. it's, it's really nice there's tambourine in here that you can hear pretty solidly that could be Barry it could be Ian we're not entirely sure right it's really, really nice. And I think there is one very important part that you missed right at the very beginning, Omen. Oh, I sure did. Yeah, you missed the purr. The very first sound on the whole mm-hmm. album is... Just a, just a quick little intro purr, and then you dive right into it. Now, do you think that that purr was the result of Ian bringing in his cat? I don't know. They must have had access to sound effects, right? To a like, cat? Oh. To a <laughs> cat? <laughs> yeah, but I think that sound effects were very, I don't know. I mean, they all have to be on individual tapes. That's true. It's hard to know. To drop it in or not when they, is it worth a whole new track just to put that sound in. I, you know, I don't know how it works. I don't know. Is it worth a whole new cat? If you get one at first who doesn't purr properly. Yeah. You obviously have to dispose of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So whether or not this was the cat featured, we can debate. But apparently this song was at least partially inspired by Ian Anderson's cat, Mistletoe. Hmm. An- another druidic reference. Sure. Yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, he is eyeballs deep in, in living in the country at this point. It's, yeah, he is. It's clearly inspired by sitting on his porch, watching his cat be a cat out yeah. in the country, you know? And it's, it is a, it's, it's a really lovely homage to that. So I do want to talk about the song, but I also, I mean, the lyrics, but I, I also think that it's worth... Noting, Nick, that this kind of marks a a moment in the history of Talk Tall to Me. We've talked often about the different categories we saw of songs that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is time, Nick, to get a new Manila folder out for a new theme of song. Okay. Is, songs the, about cats. Would the song is it cat songs? Cat songs. Is it not just in a sense, autobiographical, because it's Ian watching it, you know? No, I don't think so. No? I think that because there are so many songs about cats <laughs> that Ian has written, and, you know, I think that, yes, I guess you could all put them under autobiographical or yeah, autobiographical. Right. <laughs> but I think that they deserve their own section, and I think we need a new sting. Would it just be, and the mouse please never sleeps? <laughs> no, I no, I have, I have some ideas. Oh, God, okay. Oh, my God. And Nick, it may be worth asking, you may be wondering. I am indeed. Are rock and roll songs about cats purely the purview of Mr. Ian Anderson? Oh, I'm going to say they're probably not as frequent as a Jethro Tull joint, but I'm sure they're out there. Would you like to hear some selections from this list of top 40 songs about cats. <laughs> How many are Jethro Tull, though? <laughs> Only one. Oh, wow. Then, yeah. Yeah, give me a couple. All right. Cat People, Putting Out Fire by David Bowie. Oh, okay. Sure. See these eyes so green 
Year of the Cat by Al Stewart. Okay. She comes out of the sun in a silk dress running like a watercolor in the rain. Don't bother asking for explanation. She'll just tell you that she came in the year of the cat. Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin. Sure. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, daddy don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Stray Cat Strut. By the Stray Cats. Okay. Stray Cats, John, I'm a I'm a feeling Casanova. Hey, man, that's Get a shoe thrown at me from a mean old man. Get my dinner from a garbage can. Honky Cat, Elton John, 1972. Sure. Get back, Better get back to the world. Ride the Tiger, Jefferson Starship. Uh-huh. My Kitten Alone, performed by Elvis Costello. Sure, okay. You better be my kitten alone. You better leave me my kitten alone. I tell you, big bad bull, will you better leave Cat song by the Trogs. I've got a little kitty cat who never chased a mouse, and all she wants to do all day is a lounge around the house. She purrs when she needs me, and I'm right at her command. But when I try to pin her down, she scratches at my head. I see. A gorgeous example of a cat literally right behind you right now. Oh, that's right. Let me see if I can get her to purr. <laughs> this never works well. Tiki will be disgruntled. Nice kitty. Oh, I nice, called it. Nice kitty. So. We also have Eye of the Tiger. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight.
Cat Scratch Fever by Ted Nugent. If she kicks off of you and wrecks that little little microphone stand, I'm going to be so upset. And Old Black Cat by Jethro Tull. Yeah, I know. All right, thank you. My old black cat, he passed away this morning He never knew what Late and he danced on tin roofs. If questioned why, answered just because. Everything's fine. What just happened? Everything's fine. Ill advised. <laughs> Hi, Katie. Contribution. <laughs> yeah, so cats are ubiquitous in life and therefore can easily be pulled into songs because songs are g- generally a song is about life, you know, in, in one form or yeah. another. Easier to pull it into a song than to pull it out of a song. Yes. I mean, I'm sure we've heard our fair share of songs that are trying to pull the life out of things, but yeah. Yeah. And then just one, one final note about the instrumentation about, about the music is we've got those two really cool drop-offs in this one. Yeah, that's so much fun. I would put them adjacent to the Tull fake ending, but they're they're two really powerful moments and and maybe I'm reading far too much into this and chances are if I'm saying that I am, but to me it feels in a sense, like when you're watching a cat hunt mm. and then they go dead still for that brief second before that, that pounce, yeah. that's what that feels like to me. It's, it's, it's that you hold your breath and you wait to see what happens kind of moment. And then the flute trill comes back in and, and they get the bird or whatever. I love that that's a connection that you've made. That was not one that I made. But in the context, that flute trill almost seems like the little butt wiggle that they do, right? You know, yeah. Kind of winding up. Exactly. Yeah. But also, you know, I think that 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 drop, since we're talking about it, Mm -hmm. is such a great example of the prog sensibility. Because I can remember listening to this album at about 14, 16, 17 years old, something like that, Mm -hmm. and listening to it for the very first time and thinking that there was a problem. Like like thinking, Mm -hmm. like being stopped in my tracks because the sound went off and I thought, did my CD player skip? Yeah, right. Did my car radio just poop the bed, as you like to say? <laughs> I do. You know, which which was entirely plausible at the time. And then, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and it gives you this moment of like of real doubt. And then when it does kick back in, it's it's thrilling. It really is. It's there there is a level of excitement there because it's not a slow work you back into it. It's like it's it's boom. I mean, I'm looking at the wave file right now and it tapers down into a, a little triangle and then it's yeah. blank and then it's a, a wall of noise, a wall of sound. 
And I think that that aspect of playing with the audience, playing with the listener, making the listener get involved in the song, I think that really is what prog rock is all about. It's not just beat the drum, wang the guitar. It's really how do you play the most complicated instrument of all, which is the mind of your listener. Mm, yeah, and and at this point, I think it's fairly safe to say that Ian knows he has a handful of arrows in his quiver to really engage the listener in yeah. in much more than just like, hey, listen to my song. And I think it's in in a sense, it's a bit more accessible than some of the really some of the prog stuff that is like on the far side of the spectrum. That it's just like very nearly jam band. Like this engages you in actively as opposed to asking you to just like become one with the sound. Yeah, I think Jethro Tull has hit a level of expertise at this point where it is now prog rock that is really listenable. Yes, palatable prog. Yeah. (laughs) I do want to circle back to one little more musical effect, and that is, speaking of Barrymore Barlow, uh, there is some very excellent cymbal work Mm. that goes along with what we're saying. Swishing through the ryegrass has a cymbal hit. That isn't just him hitting the cymbal, but him making a sound with a cymbal in such a way that it really sounds like the ryegrass is swishing in the wind. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'll find it and and put it in here. so much fun. That's nice. So, Nick, shall we talk about these lyrics? Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's get into it. It's, like I said earlier, it is an homage to the, the perfect machine that is that is the cat, the perfect hunting machine. May I make a confession? Yes. Yes. Is this the song you danced to at your wedding? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was the song I danced to before my wedding. Oh, there you go, yeah. <laughs> I get myself hyped. <laughs> no, this, uh, I didn't realize until fairly recently that this song was about cat stuff. What? Yeah. What did you think it was? I used to imagine that there was a little mouse with a police cap on. (laughs) I thought I used to think it was about because I never like sat down and looked at the lyrics. I used to think that it was about the mice who are in charge of keeping a watch out. Yeah, Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, the regular mice were like doing their, you know, gathering grain or whatnot. How recently was this epiphany for you? Was it like, was it like recently, 15, I would say. 15 minutes ago when we first... <laughs> Not that recently, but maybe maybe a couple days ago. Maybe wow. maybe last week. So when Ray heard this for the first time when we were listening to it, she's like, is this about a cat? Wow. <laughs> she's very, like, lyric-centric, though. So, I mean... Yeah. You are forgiven. Well, she's also... And she's also a cat person. She's also a cat. She's also, I mean, pretty much a cat, yeah. I think that it was just that the first time I listened to it, I couldn't hear the lyrics very well. Yeah. And so I heard Mouse Police, and mm. I was like, boom, got it. That's and that's the Locked thing. In. Yeah, we didn't start with the remasters, so not everything was terribly clear. And... There was no internet, so you couldn't look look up the lyrics. There was really, there was no internet. And it was also a matter, it, it is also a matter of, kind of like you said, boom, I got it. When you, as wrong as you could be, and as many times as you could try to change your mind, if you get that neural pathway of, oh, I know what the song is about, it's so hard 
to not hear the song and automatically fall into that, oh, I know what the song's about, you know, so. Like the Stoic philosophers say, it is impossible for a man to learn something that he believes he already knows. Mm. Mm. Moments of Stoicism, brought to you by the Feckless Moments podcast. I feel nothing about that. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to our other podcast, Stall Stoics to Me. (laughs) Yeah, but then, of course, as soon as I started looking at the lyrics, I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense. Yeah. Muscled black with steel green eyes swishing through the rye grass with thoughts of mouse and apple pie. Muscled black with steel green eyes swishing through the rye grass with thoughts of mouse and apple pie. That's the only problem that I have with this entire song. It's like, why would a cat eat apple pie? <laughs> like, well, I don't care if there's... It's like steak and kidney. Okay, I'll, I mean, I'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, you know you know what that reminds me of is... I feel like Ian is indulging in a little bit of the anthropomorphizing that is so yeah. excellently and exemplarily done in the English writing yes. tradition. Wind in the Willows. people as the Wind in the Willows. Yep. I would also put Redwall in there. Brian Jacques' Redwall series. Or Watership Down. Watership Down. Who did Wind in the Willows? Beatrix Potter? Kenneth Graham. Oh. Yeah, Kenneth Graham. Who was Beatrix Potter then? She did the rabbit. Peter Cottontail. Oh, okay. Rather different. Yeah. But also a British anthropomorphization. Same thing with Winnie the Pooh. You know, yeah. Sure. And I think they were all kind of roughly around the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where it sits for me, but... Sure. I think it's also just a clever kind of turn of phrase. It like, is. it's a sophisticated cat. Yeah, he'll have he'll have some... He's not just going to eat a mouse. I mean, come on. Let's be reasonable. He's going to have a mouse right. and apple pie. Right, exactly. Tail balancing at half-mast. Tail balancing at half-mast. Gives me such vivid memories of my cat, Skimbleshanks. Yeah. Named after T.S. Eliot's famous cat in the poem. Yeah. Who would walk around. He was a very joyful cat. He would walk around with a a crook in his tail. His tail was perfectly fine, but he just always, when he was walking around, had his tail straight up with a bend three quarters of the way up. Yeah, like uh, it looked like a um, a candy cane, basically. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So that's that's what I that's what I think of when I read tail balancing at half mass yeah. that this cat has a particular way of holding its tail that's just it's a style you know it's yeah it's such specific characterization yeah that it, it is that much more proof that he's really ian has really spent the time to to watch mistletoe go about his work it's not just oh yeah he's he's running in the weeds and he's he's catching mice like there's Oh, yeah, no, he, yeah. There's an an investment of time and energy and and emotion in this song. And I like that he conveys a level of respect and appreciation, but also almost kind of fear. Yes. You know, in the lookout little furry folk. Yes. And, oh, my God, and he does such good juxtaposition, like the line right before that, savage Bed foot warmer of purest feline ancestry. Mm, yeah. Savage bed foot warmer of purest feline ancestry. 
you put that in a Tinder profile. Like, that's beautiful. <laughs> wow. That's that's some good advice. Uh, yeah, that's it. For for all of our single listeners out there who use Tinder, mm-hmm. put in your bio your favorite Jethro Tull line there you and go. see where it gets you. Yeah, you'll get the right people. Nothing from the song Aqualung, though, I don't recommend. <laughs> Probably ill-advised. <laughs> Going back to look out little furry folk. Look out little furry folk. Yeah. Got a, a velvet mondegreen. Is it a bear? Is he shaking his hair? Is it velvet mondegreen? I think I know what it is. I think I had the same one. Look out, little fairy folk. Yeah. Yeah. Both work. F- furry folk makes a little more sense, but I, I don't know. Just in the context of this being like the crust of the bread that is the sandwich of songs from the wood and heavy horses. Like I still have that slightly mythical fairy feeling in mind. So he is the mouse police, but he sure as heck could, could be hunting the little fairies. He could be, he could could, could eat Jack in the green if he catches him. Why not? That was another thing that I used, that I used to make a connection between that. There's that sense of Jack in the green protecting the plants against the birds. Mm-hmm. And here we have Ian trying to protect the birds mm-hmm. against his cat. <laughs> that there's a little bit of a, like a, there's sort of a, a an overlap there in a way, in a weird way. A parallel, yeah. I do love the fact that he eats but one in every 10, leaves the others on the mat. Yeah, also true, yeah. He eats but one in every 10, leaves the others on the mat. We had our cat, Skimbleshanks, was a very prolific hunter, and he would do a thing where he would catch things like a rabbit. He was he was very, t- he tackled big prey, and he would, first thing in the morning, bring them onto the front porch and eviscerate them. <laughs> so you'd see the body of the poor little creature on one end of the porch, and then the, <laughs> there's the heart, there's the intestines, oh my there's God. the stomach, there's the liver all spread out in a nice straight line. And he would sit and wait for you to open the door and then he would show it off and how proud sure, he was. Yeah. He used to scream and scream. <laughs> yeah, they are hunting incarnate. They're death machines. Yeah, right? that's what he's saying in these lines. Window box, town crier, birth yeah. and death registrar yeah. with claws that rake a furrow red, licensed to mutilate. Yeah, it's like the James Bond of yeah. the, the animal world. <laughs> From warm milk on a lazy day, we got the one side of the coin, to dawn patrol on hungry hate. From warm milk on a lazy day, to dawn patrol on hungry hate. So he's hangry. He's just, he just hasn't had his breakfast yet. Yeah. And nothing will fill up his tummy but murder. No, just murder of, of cute fuzzy things. We have a little weathercock callback. Yep. Windy rooftop weathercock. Mm-hmm. Windy rooftop weathercock. So, Nick, there's something that this song makes me think about. What's that? So, I think on the one level, this is a 
Ian sitting around saying, oh, my goodness, look at how good Hunter that cat is. Mm -hmm. But I think that the fact that it's called The Mouse Police Never Sleeps makes me think that in his new country life, Ian has acquired a cat. And little mistletoe is tearing up and down the house in the middle of the night, jumping on the bed, (laughs) making all kinds of yowling sounds, bringing in mice into the room and not allowing Ian to get any sleep. You know, and that this kind of admiration and frustration is is perhaps where the song comes from. I've certainly had a cat that kept me up all night. Oh, yeah. Ray's cat, Demon, uh-huh. who was the biggest, densest cat. Not big, like, size-wise. Like, Skunk was bigger, but, but Demon was this barrel, and he was so dense. And when he ran, you heard it. Yeah. Anywhere in the house. And he, he got into the habit in one of our apartments of running up and down the hall in the middle of the night. We didn't have mice. Oh, yeah. Like there was, he just, just got that barrel going and, and just, cause that's what cats well, because do. they are night hunters. Yeah. That's how they evolved. So if they don't have the opportunity to go out and kill things at night, they have a lot of pent up ancestral mm. energy that they have to get That's out. right. That's why cats do weird things. Purest feline ancestry needs to be vented. And if you can't, then yeah. they're going to eat the yarn. You know, that's, they, <laughs> that's right. what they so do. You have to either let them out to kill or... In Tiki's case, tell her off for trying to eat tape off of the wall. <laughs> yeah, but boy, boy, that tape never stood a chance because she's <laughs> she's been bred perfectly to destroy that tape. Nick, anything else that we want to say about this song? Uh, the last 30 seconds yeah. of this song, Omen. Literally the last 30 seconds, 237 to 307, starts at a whisper and ends in a cough is that repetition of the mouse police never sleeps, the mouse police that never sleeps. Yeah, and there's a there's a doubled up track there. It's two Ian voices at the same time. Not exactly... If not three, right? Is it three? I don't know. I couldn't tell, but I think you were just about to say they're, they're staggered a little bit. So it's... Yeah, a little they're, bit. They're not singing perfectly in unison. It's not quite a round. Yeah, the speed is a little different or something. Yeah, it's... The, the effect is really, really jarring and really cool. I, like, I love that sound. I think it's so, so cool. What do you reckon he's going for there with giving us that sound? Is he trying to emulate something? Is it supposed to be the sonic feeling of, of, of something that the cat does or the cat exhibits? For me, it's that hypnotic yeah. sense. Okay. There's this old legend about hunting animals that... Like the snake, you know, that the snake can hypnotize its prey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that there are a variety of ways in which this has been expressed. But cats are hypnotic. You know, the mm-hmm. way that they move, the way that they undulate when they walk, the way that their tails move, the way that their eyes are shaped. It's easy to get kind of entranced by a cat. And for me, that's what I think. I think it's either that kind of like entrancing chant to sort of conjure the spirit of the cat. Sure, yeah. Or he's giving us a demonstration of the cat's internal monologue in its Ooh, head. Ooh, I like it's, that. When it's running around. Yeah, I like that too. That mistletoe is just pouncing around. Yeah. Or maybe it's the thought process of the mouse and the cough is when it gets caught. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. So I want to talk about the cough, Nick. Yeah. I suspect it was an accident. Right, yeah. That then he liked and then maybe performed. But I do think that it is in the whole history of the band and as Ian as a singer coming up on his most recent 
revelation of his diagnosis of COPD, that it is really kind of eerily foreshadowing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and this is this is the the beauty of 100% hindsight. And it's it's really mm. just an, an ironic thing, but it's still like, oh, okay, yeah. This could be seen as a turning point for when maybe this is this is starting to develop the voice thing, yeah. the, the lung thing, like we talked about earlier. Like, yeah, it's 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 an interesting inclusion here, and even without any of that, I do I do like the idea of the, the mouses or the the cat's internal monologue. But it's there's something a little that makes it just a little bit more poignant. Yes, being able to look at it so far removed, and I think that. You know, we like to think of ourselves as being able to separate ourselves from our work. Uh-huh. And here's an example where that's, you know, he has inadvertently revealed something about himself that he isn't even aware of yet. Yeah, maybe if he never did the cough, it never would have happened. Maybe if he had listened to this album. Yeah. If his doctor had listened to the album. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> My God, Mr. Anderson, you better come in right away. We need to check that cough. <laughs> It's not just your flute playing that's sick. <laughs> He's just got Mellotron queued up for different coughs and different pitches. Right. Turn your head and press the, the third key from the right. <laughs> Mellotron needs his medicine. <laughs> Mello needs a lozenge. So, Nick, anything else that we want to say about the mouse police that never sleeps? I'm, I'm good with it. I think that was a good, uh, a good rundown. Anything for you? I don't think so. What are we talking about next week? Next week, track number two, it's going to be Acres Wild. Ooh, yes it is. My acres are going to get positively savage. My, my, no, I got nothing. My acres are going to get plowed. Until next week, (laughs) you don't need to leave little furry carcasses on our doorstep. You could leave five stars in our review. Yes, and please, in fact, please stop leaving us carcasses. Yeah, whoever is doing that. That's, we've we've talked to the police. (laughs) They're investigating. Not the mouse police, mind you, the actual. No, the real police. <laughs> if you want more sweet, sweet talk tall to me milk in your saucer, all it costs is five small furry dollars a month. And you can have access to all of the content which is available on our Patreon, which includes Talk Tell With Me, mm-hmm. a reading and discussion of the full correspondence from all of you out there in the listening world. Outtake tall to me. Oct out act. Octung told to me. <laughs> Octopus told to me. Outtake told to me, in which Nick puts stitches together all of the mess ups that we experience on the podcast. My personal favorite. And uh, exclusive video photo content. And starting this week, I will put a picture of my cat Tiki 
on the Patreon. So if that's not worth $5, I genuinely don't know what is. Oh my goodness. That alone is worth the subscription to be able to go back and look at that every day. Extremely photogenic. She's beautiful. She really yeah. is. Until next week, I am shedding all over your black sweater, <laughs> Omen Said. I have done something to your left shoe. I'm not telling you what. And I'm Nick McGill. <laughs> we are always underfoot, feckless momes. And I'm I'm sorry, were you sitting here? Talk tall to me. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Perfect. <laughs> Nice and warm here, isn't it, Felix? This sunbeam, Reginald, is divine. Divine. Truly, it is the paragon of comfort lying upon this this shag carpet. I have never been happy. What the fuck was that? Oh. What is that? What is that over there? Did something move? I, I, we gotta chase it. Oh, my eye. It was but a, a, a mote of dust. Just nothing to worry about. You know, I might go nibble on some grass and... Oh my god, what was that? Did you see that? Oh, There's a bird out jump, the window. A bird. Did you okay, see the bird? I'm jump. Jump. Kill it. I kill can't. it. Kill it. Kill it. Kill it. Kill it. Kill it. And I'm bored. Uh, I'm bored. Life is meaningless. Is there a jingle bell around here that I could uh, uh, perhaps bat should we at? Go, should we go bite the feet of the mistress? Oh, I, I suppose if we must... Yeah. Yes, and we go to do the biting, 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 biting. Rabbit kick. Rabbit kick. Oh, suddenly oh. we got kicked out. Oh, hmm. Yeah. Oh. Do you want to commit murder? I mean, it's been at least twenty minutes. I think we're due. I murdered a snake the other day, but not before I put it in the baby's place. <laughs> Why do they keep that that hairless thing anyway? I don't know. It never eats what I bring it. It, it never eats what I bring I've it. I've never seen it kill a mouse. Never. No, not once. never. It's useless. I would use it. Just get rid of it. You know, you know what I think would be more valuable? Oh, what's that? I think it would be more advantageous if they just, I don't know, listened to Talk Tall to Me, which, <laughs> as you know... I know, I know. It's a proud member of the Fickless Moms audio network, beloved of cats across the world. Meow, meow, meow. If I had opposable thumbs, I'd be listening to it right meow. Sorry, I wasn't listening. I was licking my crotch. <laughs>